Coming up on We Talk News This Week, with lawsuits pending, a New York judge allows two dispensaries to open up. So, how can you make weed cheaper in Missouri? File a lawsuit. Is AI in combination with your smartphone the answer to measuring cannabis levels while driving under that influence? Plus, in California, the governor vetoes a social club bill that would have made the Golden State a haven for Amsterdam-style cafes. And in Massachusetts, the lawsuit involving the RIF in leadership in the Cannabis Control Commission is dropped. All that and coast-to-coast cannabis news on We Talk News with Elena Pinto, next. We are pro-cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Weed Talk News, pro-cannabis media's weekly review of the past week's news items in the world of cannabis. I'm Elena Pinto. Over the past month or so, the New York State cannabis market has been stalled by lawsuits, judge injunctions, and even their governor got involved. Now there are two new dispensaries opening and promises of more licenses and stores. New York moves very quickly, but Pam Schmiel has an eye on those developments in her talk with PCM founder, Jimmy Young. Thanks, Elena. I'm Jimmy Young, the PCM founder, and I'm joined by our New York correspondent, Pam Schmiel, in the Big Apple, if you will, Pam. It's great to see you again. And as always in New York, nothing is easy, right? Nothing's easy because they've really been on hold. All these licenses, all these people that have applied, they've been on hold because of a court order. Well, now I guess the news this week is a judge is releasing two dispensary licenses. Can you give us a little background on that? Yes, um, uh, Judge Kevin Bryant, um, who initially uh, imposed the injunction on all the social equity applications or applicants that were supposed to move forward uh, with their businesses, have now um, released two applications and awarded um, I'm sorry, awarded applications to Conbud, a dispensary in Manhattan, and Terp Brothers, a new dispensary coming up in Queens. So, so they, people are excited. There you go. Now, that, that means that the total of dispensaries that would be open goes up from 23 to 25. <laughs> I mean, for, it, for it's a state how, of what, 20 million. Yeah. It's, it, how frustrating has it been uh, it, working in that community? I'm guessing many of them are just knocking their heads against the wall now. Well, also because many of them have uh, real estate that they've been, you know, paying rent on for months and months. Uh, their buildouts were happening. Uh, the injunction a few months ago uh, put everything to a halt and uh, was in question about whether they were even going to be able to open. Uh, so now everybody's pretty happy, at least that's moving along. And now we have all applications open to everyone in New York and Hopefully that'll get things moving too. Yeah. And I think that the deadline on that was December 8th. So, um, and they have 400 already in queue. So Mm -hmm. hopefully that will give the uh, market a little bit of a jolt. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the other things I saw in New York was uh, the idea of farmer's markets has always been part of the new legal cannabis um, world, if you will. And farmers go to these farmer markets and share their crops, if you will, with the public. 
And it sounds like New York is going to allow something like that. Can you give me a little background on the these uh, these open markets for the growers? Yeah. Uh, so late summer, uh, the state allowed uh, these uh, grower showcases to uh, begin. And the farmers are reporting, um, people that I'm talking to are saying that the sales are not as robust as they hope for, but some of them feel that's because they need more marketing and there's so much confused confusion with uh, you know, New York citizens about what is legal and what isn't legal, which storefronts, you know, because there's so many storefronts that are illegal around the state, even people in the cannabis industry are confused about it. So that's one reason they think that just needs to be a little bit more marketing on the state's side to to inform uh, consumers. And then also uh, brands are saying it, it is a big benefit because they are getting uh, firsthand experience um, meeting consumers, building brand loyalty, uh, which is, is, a, is a big gift for them. And um, similar to, uh, you know, meeting consumers where they are, mm -hmm. uh, many report that in-store demonstrations of their products always move sales and is a big, you know, moves the needle on, on their sales. So they're very excited about the Farmer's Market Showcase to build brand loyalty. There you go. Farmer's Market Showcase. It's a long name for a farmer's market, but that's okay. It's all good. As long as you can get weed there, I know the growers will be happy. The consumers will be happy. And and it will ease some of the tension that's in New York State right now because, you you know, you live there. You can feel it uh, amongst your, your peers, if you will. Pam Schmiel reporting from New York. I'm Jimmy Young. Let's go back to Elena Pinto and more of Weed Talk News. When the Farm Bill passed in Congress in 2018, it opened up a whole new set of issues. First of all, what is hemp? Well, it's the cannabis sativa plant with under 0.3% of THC, the intoxicating cannabinoid in the plant that gets you high. Well, many companies saw this as an opportunity to skirt the emerging legal and licensed world of marijuana. What that did is challenge farmers and manufacturers to create hot hemp or Delta-8 products that are derived from the hemp plant and are under unregulated, excuse me. You will see CBD topicals and tinctures available at gas stations, convenience stores, and other stores. Young people under the age of 21 can buy it and try it since there's not enough local regulation to test all the products that are out there. Some states have banned the sale of products with Delta-8, the chemical compound with smaller amounts of THC, but the problem is Delta-8 and its other chemical enhancers gets you high. Maybe not as much as its cannabis cousin, but when the feds passed that farm bill, people believed you couldn't get high from hemp. Now they know better. A new farm bill is being worked on right now in D.C. In the meantime, states like Alaska, Arkansas, and Connecticut are tweaking their existing cannabis laws to include hemp. Here's Brandon Jones with more on this in his state of Missouri. Hey everybody, it's Brandon Jones, B Green Distribution, the Missouri Canner Support for We Talk News. And I'm here downtown at the River Market area. And yes, what do you know, right across from a CBD shop, one of my friends. And yes, they're one of the people that are dealing with this new farm bill that we're trying to see what's going to happen with the new regulations. Here in Missouri, we've seen a big issue with that because we had the story we talked about last time when we had an influx of 
that product coming from out of state where we're actually infusing THCA into products and then putting it on the shelves here in Missouri because we had such a ban or recall of products that they didn't have enough products on the shelves. So what do you know? They found another way to get some products on the shelves here in Missouri. And now we're finding out that wasn't the right way to do it. And so now there's going to be some more laws put into action. There's lots of more things going on here in Missouri, little big events going on here. And then also a real big shift in what I would say is how people are going around different expos and events here. A lot more now we're seeing things associated with music, other types of events, not just something that's just quote unquote an expo for just cannabis. Those things are kind of dying out a lot here. Everybody's kind of seen the, you know, what they need to see at those things. And now they want to have fun. So now it's legal here. We can be recreational and we can smoke weed out here in the river market, having a great time. So if you're in Kansas City, you're in St. Louis, you're in Missouri, find a place that's got a venue going on. There's music and I guarantee you there's going to be cannabis. So again, I'm Brandon Jones with Bee Green Distribution, the Missouri Cannabis Report, the Weed Talk News, sponsored by my boys at Baker Brands. Stay educated and medicated. Have a great week, guys. Brandon Jones, Missouri Cannabis Report, is brought to you by Baker Brands, a curated B2B marketplace for head shops and dispensaries. Most of the reform action in Washington, D.C. has been focused on hemp and creating a new farm bill that would clarify what federal agency will oversee the distribution and manufacturing of CBD and Delta-8 created products. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration still has not issued any guidelines or regulations since 2018 when that first farm bill passed. Now, hemp industry leaders are eyeing the alcohol and tobacco tax and the Trade Bureau to lead the way on regulation, not prohibition, of these products derived from hemp. With more on what is going on in our nation's capital and in Maryland, here's Andrew Beringer. Reporting from Washington, D.C., this is Andrew Beringer for We Talk News. The federal government recently doubled down on its prohibitionist stance toward cannabis use by federal workers in legal states. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration formally revised federal drug testing guidelines to clarify that medical cannabis use does not justify a positive test result. According to the updated guidelines, federal law supersedes state medical cannabis laws when it comes to workplace drug testing policies. This means federal employees and contractors in legal states can still be punished or even fired for flunking a drug test due to cannabis use, even if it's recommended by a doctor or ingested accidentally. Now, this administration acknowledged receiving comments urging policy change on this issue, but ultimately upheld the status quo under current federal law. The agency stated, quote, a physician's authorization for a Schedule I controlled substance is not a legitimate medical explanation for a positive drug test result. Now, advocates argue that the federal government should reconsider its policies as more states legalize cannabis use. Some note rescheduling cannabis could potentially lift workplace restrictions that now apply to federal workers and contractors. However, for now, the revised guidelines cement the ongoing conflict between the state and the federal laws on this issue. This news comes as some lawmakers advocate bills to protect workers from penalties based solely on cannabis use. But other congressional committees have blocked attempts to end federal employment drug testing for cannabis. This patchwork of policies continues to cause confusion and uncertainty 
for employees and employers alike across the country. Now in Maryland news, with the November 17th deadline fast approaching, social equity applicants in Maryland are racing to submit their cannabis business license applications. This first round of licenses is reserved solely for those meeting specific criteria to qualify for social equity status with the state. Applicants must first complete the the process to prove eligibility before applying for one of the limited cannabis business licenses. Competition is expected to be fierce with the massive economic potential of these licenses attracting numerous candidates. Those interested must act swiftly as the chance to gain an early foothold in Maryland's emerging cannabis industry closes in just a few short weeks. Good luck to everyone that is applying. Well, that's going to do it for me, Andrew Banger, and the D.C. Area Report, reporting for Weed Talk News. So while our lawmakers debate what to do with this hemp challenge in the new farm bill, researchers now have a study that shows that CBD derived from hemp can help with hair loss and hair growth. Specifically, a six-month study of people who suffer from alopecia saw 246% hair regrowth, and some achieved as much as 2,000% hair regrowth. On the international scene is Debbie Facey with her Canadian Cannabis Report. This is Debbie, your Canadian correspondent with Weed Talk News with your Canadian Joint of the Week. What we have in Canada this week is Health Canada actually going in depth with some of the medical patients here in Canada and especially when it comes to their growers license and whether or not they are actually abiding by the rules which is which is which is based on which is allotted to them based on their prescription. We also have our two recalls. One is from the cannabis company Culshin Cannabis which has their Lemon Z drops which have been recalled due to a mold contamination, which I have to say, is, I don't want to say gross, but pretty gross. And those are all going to be recalled and have been recalled and have been notified to all of the stores out. What we also have is the Dibby vape pen, which has been inaccurately labeled with double the amount of CBD, which is actually not in the vape pen. As we do know that when it comes to labeling and when it comes to most of anything that has to do with the FDA, it does have to be across the board approved and it also has to entail and have exactly what is inside of the product that is being sold. This is Debbie, your Canadian correspondent with We Talk News with your Canadian Joint of the Week. Peace. Cannabis stocks are treading water on the market right now, but all eyes are on the eventual reform of the federal laws in some capacity. When it comes to cannabis stocks, we have one guy who is high on Wall Street. It's Doug Miller. I'm Doug Miller from High on Wall Street with this week's cannabis stock report for Weed Talk News. MSO, Red, White, and Bloom Brands, has moved forward to buy Alethea Health Months after a failed attempt to acquire it, some of Alifia's assets and liabilities will be excluded from the deal. Let's look at the stock chart for Red, White, and Bloom. It's trading around $0.03, cents and it's curling down. Most of these cannabis companies have just taken a beating, and we better see the Safer Banking Act and the rescheduling if they want to keep any of these MSOs in business. And that's this week's Cannabis Stock Report reporting for Weed Talk News. I'm Doug Miller.
Now we turn to the West Coast to see what is going on in the U.S.'s largest cannabis market, California. The biggest story from the Golden State is one that involves the development of social clubs. Here's Lavana Vassal with our California report. I'm Lavana Vassal from the Bay Sash reporting for PCM with this week's California report for We Talk News. Governor Gavin Newsom has vetoed the bill that would have legalized cannabis cafes, citing California's long-standing smoke-free workplace protections. In other news, Cherry Blossom Bell is teaching a lost art of hash making workshop in San Francisco on Sunday, October 22nd. She is offering a 30% discount to women to, quote, accommodate the documented reality of gendered pay differential in the U.S. and the lagging numbers of women in the cannabis industry specifically. She is the head hash lady in charge at Heritage Hash Co. in Ukiah, Mendocino, and she was the apprentice to the late world-renowned hash maker and pioneer Frenchie Cannoli. Next up, it's Croptober, so all month I've got news from the chopping block. Joe Casali from Huckleberry Hill Farm said his Paradise Pine is looking like a winner, and he knows what winners look like. His white thorn rosé, bred by his mother and grown at their family farm, has been sweeping cups with its unique and potent palate. Joe also posted a sneak peek of his collab with Sohum neighbor Ridgeline Farms, a new cross between white thorn rosé and Lance. Jason Gelman from Ridgeline Farms, a second-gen Humboldt farmer, said he's loving his Lancilla this year. This Lancilla, this harvest. Ridgeline Farms is possibly most famous for sweeping the Emerald Cup in past years with their runs, and in the last few years, Lance Cultivar. Jarvis in Mendocino is excited about this year's blueberry diesel crop and hash burger. That's all I have time for. Tune in next week for more Croptober news from the chopping block and look out for my Croptober report in Canapolitan magazine. That's this week's California Cannabis Report. I'm Lavana Vassa from PCM reporting for We Talk News. Unprecedented growth is how many describe the beginnings of a new legal cannabis market in many states. A few years later, when reality sinks in, it's a race to the bottom. Case in point, here's New Mexico. There are 1,000 cannabis dispensaries in New Mexico, and they sell approximately $30 million of weed every month. Now, like so many other states, there is a glut of product and the shelves are bare, especially in that state's largest cities. Well, a few different dispensary owners are speaking out and asking that state's cannabis regulators not to stop licensing, just to slow down the process on awarding licenses. Three quarters of New Mexico dispensaries are making around $50,000 a month, and the margins are too tight to stay in business. The story is getting more and more regular around the country, and another one of those new adult use legal states is Connecticut, and here's Angie Seifert with an update on what's going on in the nutmeg state. I'm Angie Seifert from Skip Intro Advisors with the Connecticut Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Connecticut cannabis sales set monthly record as adult use prices decline. Total monthly sales surpassed 25 million in September, and the monthly total includes about 14.4 million in adult use and 8 million in medical. By product type, we're talking 52% flower, 30% vapes, 11% edibles, and to be expected, the average adult use price was slightly higher than medical, 38.37 for adult use, 38.21 for medical. Yet, they're still at new lows. Next, a Connecticut law is restricting the sale of certain hemp-derived and synthetic THC products, and this law went into effect on Sunday, where the new rule requires licenses for shops to sell, leaving them in danger of closure. 
both high THC hemp products and synthetic cannabinoids are now classified as cannabis under the state law and may only be sold by licensed cannabis establishments. Given this, some farmers are moving out of state so they could continue to do online sales and others are just shutting down. Keep in mind that the Connecticut Legalization Bill also allows hemp or operators to apply for cannabis licenses. And yes, that would also come with more regulatory hoops to jump through and added requirements, but existing hemp companies could technically stay in business if they apply. Finally, Hamden officials approve a retail cannabis business on Whitney Avenue, the Glastonbury-based Slap Ash Retail 2 LLC, who is partnering with C3 Industries, a MSO from Michigan, was granted a special exception permit from the Planning and Zoning Commission to turn the Keating Brothers Motor Inc., the roughly 5,000 square foot car dealership, into a retail cannabis establishment. As part of the approval, the applicant agreed to implement certain traffic mitigation measures if cars began backing up onto Whitney Avenue. Traffic reports submitted with the application stated that the facility would have no adverse impact on traffic, but the data from the original study was collected in June and did not account for the increase in vehicles on the road while Quinnipiac University is in session, although students create a roughly 10 to 12% increase in traffic during the school year. Now, keep in mind that Slapash is partnering with an MSO and their data for the application was collected in June when students were not in town. I'm Angie Seifert from Skip Intro Advisors with the Connecticut Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. There's an interesting study just released that backs up many others who have been looking at the cannabis smoke's impact on the lungs. The most recent study is a federally funded one at UCLA, and the conclusions after studying over 2,000 weed smokers, tobacco cigarette smokers, and non-smokers, sure enough, the tobacco smokers were 20-fold higher chance to get lung cancer versus the cannabis smokers, and they concluded that smoking cannabis is not harmful to your lungs. The American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine published the report and explained how cannabis has a different effect on lung function than tobacco. Last week in New Jersey, Gary George's Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Convention took place in Newark, New Jersey, and Jill caught up with some of the principals involved. Here she is. Hello, everyone. It's Jill Goldsberry for We Talk News New Jersey, and I'm here to share with you some news from the Real Cannabis Entrepreneurs event that happened last week. We got a chance to hear the one and only Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, the cannabis lawyer that you want on your team, talk about the equity and responsibility and community in the cannabis industry and how she's put her spin on making it happen for a lot of people in this industry and helping them really branch out. I can't express to you the pain and the harm that took place in the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, 2000s for every person. We need to hear from the person who was in foster care because their parent was sent away. We need to hear from the person who uh, has innovations that they've never been able to uh, patent because of the federal status of, of cannabis being Schedule One. In addition, we were able to get a chance to attend the New Jersey Cannabis Insiders Conference that happened just this week. And everyone who is anyone in the New Jersey cannabis industry was in attendance. 
we had every conversation going on from how to open a dispensary, finding a dispensary space, lawyers, and all kinds of things. And one of the biggest conversations going on right now in New Jersey is dispensary licenses and the policies around getting those licenses. With everything going on with the politics and the towns and the municipalities, it has become quite a challenge. And the professionals at this industry event were able to give dispensary owners some insight into what to look for and how to not get caught up in the nonsense around the politics. I'm Jill Goldsberry with We Talk News New Jersey. Thanks for watching. There's always something happening in the world of cannabis and Arizona. And here's our reporter, Karen Black. I'm Karen Black from Greenfinger Consulting with the Arizona Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Social equity licensees continue to face challenges here in Arizona. More than half of the 26 awardees were projected to miss the mandatory October 8th deadline to open their dispensaries amid ongoing legal, financial, zoning, and other battles. Technically, they could lose their licenses. However, state regulators said they won't go that far and will instead require companies to attend administrative hearings with appeal rights. Apparently, some MSOs and investors are swooping in to scoop up non-compliant license holders, an unpopular move when only four original lottery winners still have equity stakes in their licenses. And the controversy doesn't end there. The city of Tucson approved Mojave Cannabis Co. to open a dispensary under special zoning exemptions it adopted late last year, largely but not entirely to help social equity companies. Some claim Mojave is being rewarded for exploitative practices it used to obtain five social equity licenses, while others say it's a land use decision only under the new rules. On a more positive note, two Phoenix-based companies are expanding. Story Cannabis recently opened dispensaries in Kingman and Williams, Arizona, and Vex Sciences agreed to buy two medical dispensaries from Big Perm in Ohio, that announcement came on the heels of the company closing on the purchase of Appalachian Farm Processing, also in the Buckeye State. That's all for this week's Arizona Cannabis Report. I'm Karen Black, reporting for Weed Talk News. Another state that has gone through the overproduction of cannabis is Oregon. They have issues with some of the people in the business and those who are regulating it. So here's Marianne Kursaji with more. I'm Marianne from Alibi with this week's Oregon Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. The cannabis industry in Oregon continues to be plagued with late payments. The state intervened a few months ago and more details are coming to light. Permanent rules are now in rulemaking to replace the temporary rules enacted earlier this year. In spite of talks to expand this to all license types, it now appears to be applicable only to retail licensees who are delinquent on any taxes collected by the Oregon Department of Revenue. Retailers will now need to obtain a certificate of tax compliance in order to renew their cannabis license. Also, Oregon's Aspergillus testing rules continue to get media coverage. This week, MJ Biz Daily reported on the issue. According to the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Aspergillus mold is not harmful to healthy people. The Oregon Health Authority has not reported any cases of aspergillosis connected to cannabis use. Why then is there a big push to test for aspergillus? And finally, 
Croptober is starting. The annual fall harvest is beginning, and we celebrate the work and dedication of all sun-grown farmers. That'll do it for the Oregon Report this week. I'm Marianne with Alibi for We Talk News. Also out west is the state of Washington. That's where we hear from Matthew Friedlander about another longtime legal state that continues to have regulatory issues. Hello, everyone. Matthew Friedlander coming to you with the Washington State Cannabis Report for We Talk News. I actually am not in the owner's office to schedule organics today. I am at the Motor City Casino here in Detroit reporting from outside MJ Unpacked as we are wrapping up day three here. So the conference is now done, uh, but it's been a great experience coming out here to Michigan to see what the industry's like here compared to in Washington and uh, some similarities, some differences, uh, lots of brands here and prepackaged products just like we have in Washington. Uh, the price compression uh, is a continued struggle across the board, I think, in every state that has regulated cannabis. Uh, but one thing that has become clear to me is that not having vertical integration in Washington uh, is a pretty big deal. So uh, in Washington, you can either be a producer processor or you can be a retailer, but you can't be all three. Uh, so here in Michigan and many other states, you can have control from the grow all the way up to the retail side. And I can tell you from current sales uh, in Washington that trying to connect with the retailers uh, and the buyers at these retailers uh, is a struggle, especially as they downsize and sometimes maybe have uh, one buyer for multiple locations. Uh, and as the price compression continues to happen, uh, buyers are just, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's very little uh, brand loyalty. Buyers tend to just gravitate towards the newest, cheapest thing on the market. And that may not be best for consumers, especially when we're talking about medical products. So uh, anyways, that's what I got for you. Uh, I am Matthew with the Washington State Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Back here on the East Coast, the drama continues. State Treasurer Deborah Goldberg and Cannabis Control Commission Chair Shannon O'Brien have been in the middle of a disagreement over a suspension. A lawsuit was filed last week, but now that suit has been dismissed. The Bay State Cannabis Report is sponsored by CNA Stores in Haverhill and Amesbury, now named as one of the top three dispensaries on the New England coast by USA Today and the only one from Massachusetts. Why? One reason is their Cannabar in Amesbury and Haverhill. Its selection is second to none. Parking is easy and this veteran-owned, family-operated retail store is now growing their own flower in a state-of-the-art facility. That's why CNA Stores is a destination dispensary. In Detroit this week, MJ Unpacked makes its first stop in Motor City. The B2B networking and pitch event drew quite a bit of attention in Michigan. That's where our new Michigan reporter, Amy Carter, files her Michigan Cannabis Report. Hi everyone, I'm Amy Carter with Michigan Weedsters. This is the Michigan Cannabis Report for We Talk News. I am live today at the Motor City Casino at MJ Unpacked. Michigan governor to review cannabis regulatory agency and tribal business. Two bills that would allow business between the CRA and local native tribes. Also in the headlines this week is the Thunder Walker experience. That's gonna be coming to Michigan to kick off her 20 state tour the first week of November. If you don't know who Thunder Walker is, you should. 
check her out. I'm Amy Carter with Michigan Weedsters. This is the Michigan Cannabis Report for We Talk News. For the first time in their history, the U.S. Census Bureau reported on the total number of dollars collected in tax revenue from legal adult use states. That total of $5.7 billion are from Q3 in 2021 to now. California had the biggest at $1.4 billion and Vermont the smallest with a total of $6.7 million in taxes. In Vermont's defense, though, they only reported three quarters starting in Q4 in 2022, and it's a small state. Some of that comes from medical professionals like our green nurse in Vermont, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Here she is. I'm Jessie Lynn Dolan from Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the We Talk News Vermont Report. The Vermont Cannabis Control Board recently updated lab testing requirements for cannabis products in flower. Many cultivators and manufacturers are frustrated with the added expenses, though according to the control board, we're made aware of these impending changes last year. The Cannabis Control Board will be having its monthly meeting on Wednesday, October 25th to approve licensing and will discuss the rollout of its mandated education series for license holders. The Vermont Growers Association is hosting a cannabis job fair at the beautiful Intervale Center in Burlington on Saturday, October 24th to network with those in the industry and meet local cannabis businesses of all license types that are currently hiring. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. We've got breaking news for weed lovers everywhere, and it's specifically for the superstars of the cannabis world, the growers. Two meat and cheese experts in Vermont have revolutionized the dry and curing process of harvesting flour. Remember, this is a living plant, and part of the process, once you harvest the plant, you have to invert it and dry it so all those magical cannabinoids can reach their maximum potency in the buds of this flower. Now back to Vermont and Canatrol. That's where David and Jane Sandelman have been curing and drying meats and cheeses for years. Now, they're applying their years of experience to the cannabis space, and they are blowing up the market. So we turned the whole thing upside down. We created the perfect environment. You put the flour in and then it dries to the perfect moisture content and now it's curing. You don't have to move it out of the space. You don't have to guess when it's ready or not. And it just comes out amazing. If you want to find out more about Canatrol and this revolutionary process for drying and curing so you get the most out of your plant harvest, contact them at info at canatrols.com. And finally tonight, for many in the law enforcement community and just the community in general, driving under the influence can be dangerous. Measuring impairment under the influence of cannabis has been one of the biggest challenges, especially when medical patients need large amounts of THC in order to have the therapeutic effect. Well now, thanks to AI, your own smartphone can measure your impairment. There was a study done by the Stevens Institute of Technology, and it was published by the Drug and Alcohol Publication. How did they do this? They compared and contrasted 100 different sensory inputs, including time, location, noise, and movement picked up by the participants. Half were under the influence of cannabis and half were not. The researchers were able to be extremely accurate in measuring the impairment but it gives you some idea about AI and how it can be used to measure human behavior. 
I don't know about you, but this takes big brother tactics to a whole new level of engagement. No report on when this might move into the hands of law enforcement, though. That's Weed Talk News for this week. I'm Elena Pinto. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. marketing these and yes i'm pitching to you that's steve levine the inventor and principal behind the one hit wonder and this little efficient device is getting rave reviews and there's more uses than just a one hit wonder the one hit wonder you get a 50 milligram hit so if you used a one hitter or dugout before you know the challenges steve's one hit wonder is easy to clean use and enjoy Standard one-hitters do not work. We're afraid to inhale. The one-hit wonder has a built-in ash catcher. So inhale like it's your last breath. Suck the ash right through. Get it at onehitwonder.com.